And a good Friday morning. Growing questions surrounding that deadly submersible accident. We're going to take you inside the search for answers. It is June the 23rd. This is today. Catastrophic implosion. New details emerging on the final moments of that ill-fated voyage to the Titanic. Essentially, we found uh, five different major pieces of of debris. This morning inside the recovery effort now underway and the investigation into what went wrong. The arrogance and the hubris that sent that ship to its doom is exactly the same thing that sent those people in that, that sub to their fate. We are live with the very latest. Breaking overnight, surprising appearance. Hunter Biden attends a White House state dinner just days after his controversial plea deal on federal tax charges. Just ahead, the reaction from Washington. Extreme weather, another round of damaging storms and tornadoes, this time near Denver. Oh my God, the fence! Where that threat is headed and the new heat warnings facing tens of millions this weekend. Al's got your full forecast. New twist, the woman charged with manslaughter in that fatal rust shooting, now accused of tampering with evidence. This morning, we will hear from prosecutors and her attorney. Those stories plus, ready to reopen. The good news heading into the weekend for hundreds of thousands of drivers who rely on that collapsed stretch of I-95. How they managed to pull it off so quickly. Today, Friday, June 23rd, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, welcome back uh, to today. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Savannah has the morning off. We want to begin with details on what happened with that missing sub in the Atlantic. Yes, after locating two different debris fields near the wreck of the Titanic, the Coast Guard now says it is clear that the vessel experienced a, quote, catastrophic implosion. All five of the people on board were killed. This comes as the Navy is revealing it may have detected the sub implosion days ago. NBC's Tom Costello joins us from the Coast Guard base in Boston. You've been following all the developments all week long. Tom, good morning. Coda, good morning. Coast Guard Command says it is now pulling all of its resources or most of its resources out of that search zone. It will leave a few uh, ships on site, but it wants to reset for the next potential emergency call. We now know that this implosion apparently happened on Sunday, just an hour and 45 minutes into the dive, long before the search and rescue effort ever got underway. And we now are, are now hearing that it was very quick. In the vast expanse of the North Atlantic, a tragic conclusion to the search that's captivated the world's attention. The Coast Guard reporting the submersible that disappeared during a dive to the Titanic on Sunday experienced a catastrophic implosion, killing all five people on board. It is a difficult day uh, for all of us, um, and, and it's especially difficult uh, for the families. The Navy tells NBC News that on Sunday, it detected an audio anomaly that, while not definitive, appeared consistent with an implosion or an explosion about the time the sub lost communication during the dive. On Thursday, a Canadian team using a remotely operated vehicle, an ROV, discovered two debris fields roughly 1,600 feet from the site of the Titanic. Essentially, we found uh, five different major pieces of, of debris that... Uh, told us that it was the uh, 
remains of the Titan. The doomed mini-sub rests at a depth of more than two and a half miles, where the pressure is hundreds of times greater than it is on the surface. It's one Empire State Building made of lead sitting on top of you at that level. Overnight on CNN, Titanic director James Cameron, himself a deep-sea diving record breaker, criticized the OceanGate sub's carbon fiber composite design. The collective we didn't remember the lesson of Titanic. These guys at OceanGate didn't because the, the arrogance and the hubris that sent that ship to its doom is exactly the same thing that sent those people in that that sub to their fate. One of the men on board, Stockton Rush, the founder of OceanGate, which operated the sub, addressed those concerns last year. I've broken some rules to make this. I think I've broken them with with logic and good engineering behind me. The carbon fiber and titanium, there's a rule you don't do that. Well, I did. He was trying to push the technology forward to make larger submarines to go deeper, so he was taking risks. Among those lost, famed billionaire and explorer Hamish Harding, French mariner Paul-Henri Nogelet, and Shazada Dawood with his son Suleiman. Shazada's sister says her nephew was terrified but went on the journey to bond with his father, adding, while she's devastated by the loss, she's relieved to know they didn't suffer. To know that my Suli didn't feel a moment's pain, that his brain didn't even realize, that's relief. Back now to that discussion that the Navy had heard the implosion on Sunday. They did notify Incident Command quickly that they thought they might have picked something up that they wanted to investigate. But Incident Command here in Boston said we've still got to treat this as a search and rescue, flooding the zone, of course, with ships just in case uh, anybody survived. And by the way, those sounds that they were hearing on Wednesday, on Thursday, they didn't know what they were. They thought maybe it was tapping. They now say it had nothing to do with the missing sub. It's likely just some of the the loud noise you hear all the time in the ocean. Hoda. All right. And we'll, well, Tom, going forward, then, who's in charge of this investigation and what will they be focusing on? Well, that's still to be determined. Uh, they need to decide. It'll be an international group that decides who is going to investigate. Canada, the U.S., Great Britain and France will have a voice in that. Could be a U.S. investigative body. We simply don't know yet. And will they try to recover any of the pieces of the sub? That's yet to be determined as well. But they will clearly focus on that carbon fiber construction. You know, the U.S. Navy, which operates subs, doesn't use that. It, it goes, it doesn't go that deep, of course, but it relies on a, on a much, on a metal, uh, tube, if you will, a, a metal hull. It doesn't rely on carbon fiber because it simply doesn't think that you can trust it right now. Yeah. All right. Tom Costello for us there at the scene. Tom, thank you. Now to that appearance that turned a lot of heads in Washington overnight. Hunter Biden attended the White House state dinner for India's prime minister just days after striking a plea deal to settle federal tax charges. NBC's senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell joins us now with more on this. And Kelly, first of all, good morning to you. This was a very, very public appearance. First of all, was it expected given it's only been a, a few days since that plea deal? Well, good morning, Craig. The White House didn't make public ahead of time until the guest list came out that Hunter Biden was coming. But you saw the president's son on full display. He's the first child of a sitting president criminally charged, and he was invited to be among the high profile guests at the White House state dinner. We saw him mixing and mingling in black tie at this glamorous affair, along with a number of Biden family members. The White House also invited Attorney General Merrick Garland and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who says the House GOP 
GOP should keep investigating the president's son and his foreign business dealings. Now, this was Hunter Biden's first public appearance after the announcement on Tuesday that he entered into a plea agreement deal with a Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. And that deal ends a five year investigation into the younger Biden's finances. And it resolves a gun possession charge during a time when Hunter Biden says he was addicted to drugs. Now, his first court appearance for that is set for July 26th on two misdemeanor counts related to his taxes. Hey, Kelly, meanwhile, there's some uh, some new whistleblower testimony that's also making headlines. What more can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is far from over. A GOP-led House committee released testimony from two IRS agents and whistleblowers on Tuesday who say the DOJ and other government officials improperly interfered in their Hunter Biden investigation, giving him what they say is preferential treatment. One of those agents also provided what he says are WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden to a Chinese business associate in 2017. And in that, he says he is sitting with his father, who was then the vice president, waiting for an answer to a proposal and that he would not regret following, not following the direction. That's the interaction with a Chinese businessman. Now, NBC has not confirmed the authenticity of the message, and the White House says there was no political interference here. Hunter Biden's attorneys have not commented. Greg? Kelly O'Donnell from the White House for us. Kelly O, thank you. Turning now to that severe weather, it's impacting millions of people across the country, including a tornado that caused significant damage near Denver. And in Texas, people in the town of Matador facing a long road to recovery after the deadly tornado there. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer is in Matador for us. Miguel, good morning. Hoda, good morning. There is both good news and bad news in the small Texas town of Matador. The good news, the death toll here is relatively small, considering this was a very destructive tornado. Only four people lost their lives. Fifteen others were injured. The bad news, this is what so many homes across this community look like block after block. All of this coming as severe weather also barreled and slammed right into Colorado. Overnight, a second round of rain and hail dumping on Denver. Oh my God, the fence! As a possible supercell tornado uproots trees and rips off roofs. Less than 24 hours earlier, paramedics treated as many as 90 people pelted by golf ball-sized hail at an outdoor concert. It's hailing so hard and a bunch of girls are stuck there in a porta potty. The misery in Colorado came amid mayhem in Texas. This powerful summer twister killing four people and injuring more than a dozen others. The wrecked and unrecognizable remains, all that's left of the small town of Matador. The area, about 70 miles outside of Lubbock, is now under a disaster declaration. Many homes, businesses, and buildings reduced to devastating debris fields. And we barely got the door shut and got down to the stairs, and it, it had hit our house that fast. The Dempsey family took cover in their basement as the furious funnel decimated their home in minutes. We could hear the porch being ripped off the side of the house. It sounded honestly like a train was coming into our house. You think you're lucky you survived? Oh yeah, we're absolutely blessed. Others also left with little to rebuild. This is our family home. It's, it's, it's just like there's nothing left. It all caps off a week of dangerous weather across the country with over 500 reports of severe weather since Sunday including a damaging tornado in Moss Point, Mississippi. But after the storm, the community coming together, a high school football squad teaming up to clear debris. 
shining a ray of hope amid the ruin. Back here in Matador, Texas, the cleanup is going to take months, if not years, to rebuild. Meantime, they are expecting more severe weather across this state. We are expecting triple digits in so many parts of Texas. There is simply no relief in sight. Hoda. Such devastating scenes there, Miguel. Thank you. And we're going to get to Al's forecast in just a bit. Uh, Meanwhile, there is some good news this morning for drivers impacted by that I-95 collapse in Philadelphia. Less than two weeks after a deadly tanker truck crashed and caught fire there, causing part of the road to give way, those critical lanes are set to reopen today, just in time for the first official weekend of summer. NBC's Emily Akeda joins us once again from Philadelphia. Emily, good morning. Hey there, Craig. Well, one of the reasons for the rapid rebuild is right here. Nearly 2,000 tons of recycled glass aggregate that's surprisingly lightweight. It's used to prop up as a temporary solution the six newly paved lanes behind me, those lanes reconnecting the critical thoroughfare that tens of thousands rely on every day. Less than two weeks after a tanker truck crashed and burst into flames collapsing this critical section of I-95 in Philadelphia, a complete transformation. This morning, crews are putting the final touches on a temporary roadway, which is expected to reopen today, well ahead of the anticipated months-long timeline. And we have completed each phase of this project safely and way ahead of schedule. Beneath the three lanes each way is a bed of recycled glass aggregate. Eight million bottles have been turned into this aggregate that we're using in our project. The environmentally friendly material has been used in projects in 20 states, according to Pennsylvania's Secretary of Transportation. Is there a weight limit for this kind of glass aggregate? Is this safe? Totally safe. There's no limit uh, with respect to the vehicles that will cross that, just as they would any other bridge that we have anywhere in Pennsylvania. NASCAR also lending a hand, sending one of its jet dryer cars to help complete the paving process. After traffic returns to the newly paved lanes, crews will begin constructing a portion of the permanent bridge around it, then divert traffic to those lanes, and finally remove the filler to build the main portion of the overpass. The severed roadway that 160,000 vehicles rely on daily, snarling traffic in the area and creating fears of potential supply chain disruptions. And while some drivers are hesitant to use the new overpass given the speed of the rebuild. I won't get on there at first, I don't think. Um, I don't know. I don't trust it yet. Many businesses and commuters are welcoming any relief on the road. I'm glad, like seriously glad that they actually about to get done fixing it. And this stretch of I-95 will reopen today at noon. But keep in mind, there will be fewer lanes in this section. And those lanes will be more narrow, which means a dip in speed limit and potentially some lingering traffic. But, Craig, still a vast improvement compared to the past two weeks. Also, still just remarkable Mm -hmm. the speed with which they moved there in Philadelphia to get it fixed. Uh, Emily, thank you. Uh, Let's turn back to the weather here for a moment. Mr. Roker is back. How are we looking as we head into the weekend? Well, we've got a lot of rain. We've got a lot of heat. We've got some severe weather to talk about. Uh, We've in fact, we got flood watches from southern Georgia all the way down into Florida. Some flood warnings as well uh, because of this heavy rain that's just going to continue. And in fact, some spots could see upwards of six inches or more down through southern Florida. The good news is the heavier rain that's going to be happening here in the northeast of New England, we need it. We're in a little bit of a drought, so that's good news. The bad news, we've got severe weather this afternoon. Rapid City, Casper, North Platte, then down to Amarillo and Lubbock. Wind gust of 75 miles per hour, two inch or more diameter 
hail. Tornadoes can't be ruled out. Tomorrow from southern Minnesota all the way down into Missouri and parts of Illinois, we've got severe weather as well. And then Sunday, 12 million people at risk from Columbus down to Nashville, Chattanooga and Dyersburg. We're looking for wind gusts of 60 miles per hour or more and tornadoes. And again, the heat alerts, 19 million people. We're going to look at this more in depth coming up in the next half hour. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Uh, Still ahead, a stunning twist and the new charge connected to the Rust movie set shooting. Aaron McLaughlin is following the story for us. Hey, Aaron. That's right, Hoda. A new charge has been filed in the Rush shooting, tampering with evidence. I'll have more on what the prosecution is now saying and how the film's armor is fighting back. Also ahead this morning, a new report shows that home prices keep falling. So we're going to break it down and tell you what the takeaways are for buyers and sellers. But first, this is Today on NBC. He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy's done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in, called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. We're back, 7.30. Oh, can you feel it? That's the Friday vibe. Check out our plaza, you guys. We're packed. We are packed. But we do have a a busy half hour ahead, and we're going to start with some new developments tied to the shooting on the set of Alec Baldwin's movie, Rust. Now, prosecutors are now alleging the woman tasked with gun safety tampered with evidence. That's an additional uh, charge. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin has details. Hey, Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. This is the latest twist in the legal saga for the film's armor. With her attorneys fighting to have the case thrown out, prosecutors have come back with an additional charge. <laughs> so here's the box that I got them out of. Okay. As armor, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed showed investigators around the scent in the hours after the deadly shooting. I just need you to relax. Just relax, okay? Prosecutors now charge that sometime the same day, Gutierrez-Reed tampered with evidence, saying she transferred narcotics to another person with the intent to prevent the apprehension, prosecution, or conviction of herself. This is in addition to the charge of involuntary manslaughter Gutierrez-Reed already faces and comes on the heels of a court filing two weeks ago in which prosecutors say witnesses will testify Gutierrez-Reed was drinking heavily and smoking marijuana in the evenings during filming, adding it is likely she was hungover when she inserted a live bullet into a gun that she knew an actor would later use. Gutierrez-Reed's attorneys responded, saying the accusation she was likely hungover is recklessly false and is not supported by admissible evidence. Now hitting back with a 
new statement invoking Shakespeare's Hamlet, saying something is rotten in Denmark. It is shocking that after 20 months of investigation, the prosecution now throws in a completely new charge with no prior notice or any witness statements, lab reports or evidence to support it. In April, prosecutors dropped involuntary manslaughter charges against actor Alec Baldwin, saying at the time new facts had come to light. But the gun went off, killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Her husband, Matt Hutchins, telling Hoda there were numerous safety issues on the set. Her death was preventable and she deserved to live. I think we have to get to the ultimate responsibility of those parties who caused her death. In a separate court filing, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed's attorney said he was mistakenly copied on an email from Robert Schilling, the lead investigator in the district attorney's case, where Schilling called the conduct of the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office during and after their initial investigation reprehensible and unprofessional. The armor's attorney called the exchange beyond troubling and said it was highly exculpatory for Gutierrez-Reed. NBC News has reached out to both the sheriff's office and Schilling but have not heard back. Hoda. All right, Aaron McLaughlin. Aaron, thank you. Let's bring in NBC senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett. Wow. There's a lot to unpack in this whole thing, a lot of confusing elements, but let's just start with the additional charges. So Hannah Gutierrez is now charged with tampering with evidence when it came to narcotics. What does that actually mean? The idea, it seems, and the prosecutors don't say much in these new papers, but the idea seems to be that they believe that she handed off drugs to someone else on set, worried that she was going to get caught with them, maybe right before the police came, Again, it's not very clear. Now, you might say to yourself, okay, this has gone on for almost two years. Why are we just now hearing about it? I think they might be adding this in sort of to explain the atmospherics on the set. Oh. Prosecutors all along have sort of depicted them as running fast and loose mm-hmm. and sort of not being very tight with safety procedures. And so I think they're using this to just try to show how really reckless the entire thing was being run. Doesn't mean, though, that this evidence will stay in. Mm-hmm. The defense oh. has already said they're blindsided by yeah. This, yeah. this new charge. What's going to be their argument against it? Well, they have now unearthed uh, this email that was inadvertently sent to them but yeah. the defense attorney by accident. Apparently he had the same name as somebody else. And the lead investigator is saying, I think there are serious problems wow. here. So if I'm the defense attorney, I'm going to say, well, wait a minute. What were the problems? What, please tell me everything about that. Uh, again, we'll see where this goes, but it just feels like both the prosecutors have a lot of problems and the set itself had a lot of issues. Well, the, and I think what's interesting was we did a whole headline on how Alec Baldwin is now not going to be charged. That's what everyone was saying. And now there are whispers that, wait, it's it's not all the way over yet. Well, the prosecutors are sort of dangling it out there as sort of a maybe, but not explaining what he would be charged with. Remember, the reason they dropped the case against him in the first place is because the gun had been tampered with in right. some way. And so they weren't going to be able to ch- prove that he had actually pulled the trigger. But they said they're going to decide in 60 days. And to be clear, we've got a new team of prosecutors yeah. here. Right? Yes. And that's part of the issue yeah. is that the first team of prosecutors had to step aside. So it's a new team. All right, Laura, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Have a good weekend, Mm -hmm. Laura. Still ahead here on a Friday morning inside the highly anticipated return of that hit show, The Bear, and why fans are already calling it perfect. But first, Vicky is here with what you need to know about the trend in the housing market. It is impacting both buyers and sellers, Vic. Good morning, Hoda and Craig. Buy, sell, or hold with mortgage rates moving all over the place, whether you're in the home, in the market to buy or sell. I will have everything you need to know. That's next, right? here on today. Whoa. 
Welcome back. This morning on In-Depth today, we are focusing on the housing market. So according to a new report from the National Association of Realtors, sales ticked up slightly last month, but prices fell by the largest year-to-year drop in more than a decade. And a lot of people are asking themselves right now, should I buy a home? Should I sell a home? NBC's Vicki Wynn is here with Mm -hmm. everything we need to know. Vic, always good to see you. Mm -hmm. Let's start with these price drops. I would imagine the drops depend on where you live around the country. Yeah. Good morning. So right now, the median sales price for a home, as we just saw, $396,000. That's down 3.1% from this time last year. And overall, sales of homes are down more than 20%. So we're seeing the biggest price drops out west, depending on where you live, of course. But overall, the average price is down 5.7% in the west. In the south, it's down 2.7%. Here in the northeast, home prices are actually up 2.5% and 1.1% in the Midwest. So for those areas, it's a good time. Today, now would be a good time to buy a house. So what's happening with mortgage rates? So a bit of good news yeah. here, right? Last week, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, signaled, look, I'm going to slow right. the, the rate at which we hike rates. We're still going to push them up for the rest of the year, but it's going to slow down. So Realtor.com is saying that's good news for mortgage rates. Expect those to fall as we head later into the year. Mm-hmm. Does that mean potential buyers should wait for, for, for rates to come down or no? So this is where things get tricky, Craig mm-hmm. and Hoda. So we talked to two Two realtors in hot real estate markets in Florida, Ethan Shin and Sophie Schneeberger. And they both say, no, if you have been looking and you can comfortably afford a home, that is your biggest cost mm-hmm. in anyone's budget is your shelter cost. So if you can control that, it's okay to buy. But what you want to know is that you could always refinance sure. later, right? Mm-hmm. So you just need to make sure you're buying within your budget because what's happening right now is supply is still very tight all across mm-hmm. the country. Some estimates say we are six million homes short in terms of how many people want to buy and could buy and the actual supply of homes that we have. So this is the time to buy if you can. And then just look at the rates later. Also want to stay in that home at least five to 10 years to make it worth your while. Okay. So what if you are trying to sell and you're having a difficult time? What should you be doing? There is a silver lining here because on average, homes are selling within a month or so, Hoda. So that is actually great news if you're in the market to sell. The key here, according to Every realtor I've ever spoken with, you got to stage the home. It doesn't mean you have to spend a ton of money, but declutter, take down the personal photos, make sure you've got great curb appeal out front. And also when you're thinking about what price to put it on in the market, you have to do your research. Mm -hmm. Working with a realtor can help because you want to price it comparably. And don't compare what was happening this time last year to right right now. Mortgage rates were totally different. That influences buyer behavior. All right. Vic, thank you. Thank you, Vicky. Weekend. Yes, indeed. All right. 743 time for another check of the weather. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. Good morning. Well, we are in this blocking pattern, so we've got numerous storms in the northeast. We've got them out west, but here, this heat wave is going to be expanding. Look at today. We're talking about from, it's going to feel like 100 in New Orleans and Lake Charles, 117 in Corpus Christi, 105, I said Corpus Christi, I meant Corpus Christi, but those temperatures, it is crispy. Uh, 100 degrees in Shreveport, and in the next week, that heat expands east and North, upper 80s to low 90s in Kansas City into the early part of the week, low 90s in Memphis, mid 90s, New Orleans, triple digits, Dallas, Midland, down into Laredo and Kansas City. And we're also talking smoke and 
poor air quality for our friends in the upper Midwest. In fact, throughout from uh, from Minnesota all the way into Wisconsin, parts of Illinois and Indiana, we've got unhealthy air. 22 million people at risk for ozone and Canadian wildfire smoke. Unhealthy for those sensitive groups who have asthma and other respiratory issues. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thank you, Al. Thanks, buddy. Just to add here to controversy that has Team USA figure skaters still waiting on the medals they earned at last year's Olympics. More than 500 days and counting now. They're going to be here for an exclusive live interview. Guys, coming up on Popstar, we got a big morning. The surprise that Kelly Clarkson did yesterday after she left us here down in the Wait, subway what? of oh New God. York City. Wait till you see this video on the way.